and online at 960thebull.com. Your home for CBS Sports Radio, WRNS Kinston, Sports Talk 960 The Bull. CBS Sports Radio. And welcome to Hour 2 of the Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College. By golly, Jason Bryant, if folks missed the first hour of today's show, did they miss a good hour or what? It was good. My head was hurting a little bit with Shane. (laughs) (laughs) With Shane, you know, because I have my little, my board over here. Everybody else, I mean, like John Clemens right there, we had him at 65%, yeah. okay? I have to put Shane at 35%. I, was, I know. And, and it's still, it's still kind of loud. But, man, what a great job. We appreciate Shane Albee uh, yeah. joining us, uh, talking about UMO. We appreciate uh, our good friend John Clemens, who, let me just say again, if you're just joining us or if you listen to this on a replay, that, uh, dude, it just hit me. I was reading all that. I was like, I yeah. wonder if I could get Clemens on the show this morning. Well, Doggone, 15 that, minutes before the show comes. He that's gets- the good thing about John is, yeah. I mean, John's here. Yeah. And, you know, not that Wade wasn't. Wade would have done the well, same Wade's thing. Wade's working but, all over the country. Too. Yeah, but if, yeah. you know, even before John, Wade would have came on and yeah. squashed it too. So it's great the working relationship we have with them and what they give us um, anytime we ask him, them to do something. But, I mean – you know, I'm sure it was on John's mind, and John wanted to get out in front of it, too. So, yeah. I mean, it's just people just do your research. I used to be the same way. I used to I used to read that stuff, get all worked up, get in on, on the discussion. And I'm not faulting anybody for doing that. I'm just eh, – I'm good. Hey, someone who was in the newspaper business who worked with the folks down at the well, Wilmington Star News, let me tell you – that was very – it was pretty irresponsible. Now, they can say what they're going – oh, and nowhere in the story does it say that you're losing the wood ducks. But when you put that picture up there, when you talk about, yep. oh, there's they're building a new facility, you've done everything but say it. And I mean, anyway, why wasn't the Texas Rangers logo up there? I mean, just come on. That's exactly what I said earlier, too, was that why even put – or why didn't they use a Hickory Crawdads well, logo? Why didn't they use – you know, Well, the, well, anyway. the reason is you know the reason – Ah, anytime now, it's all about clicks. It's all about going viral. Everybody's looking for that one headline or one viral video for their five minutes of fame. And, you know, that's all it is, Brian. And, and you know, we don't participate in stuff like that. The Bull doesn't. Like, Junius doesn't. When we yeah. post his stuff, like, like, we're just putting, like, real stuff out there. Yep. We're not... We're not trying to get somebody in 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 Wilmington or Raleigh to click on it. Hey, click on it if you're interested, but this is what it is. Absolutely. And, uh, again, just uh, if you missed the first hour, you need to go back and listen to it, especially there at the tail end of the hour, about 45 minutes into it, where John Clemens, the uh, general manager of the Down East Wood Ducks, just sets the record straight. We absolutely appreciate that. But got to tell you we're in our second hour and uh we i try real hard jason bryant i do i swear because when i have this next guest on or when i even when he committed to coming on a couple of days ago it's all i have looked forward to for the last couple of days because you i mean i listen to him five days a week i mean i listen to him online i know you used to drive around i do i don't listen anymore yeah I don't either. I don't listen to sports talk in the middle of the day either because but, he's not on the air anymore. But let's give him his proper introduction here. It's the great, it's the legendary, it's the venerable. David Glenn joining us here, the preeminent expert on uh, ACC basketball, ACC football, on, on our little show here on 960 The Bull and 960TheBull.com. Good morning, David. 
Good morning, Brian. It's great to be with you again. Thanks for that great introduction. Well, listen, I hope you know this isn't conjecture. This isn't hyperbolic. We love – I mean, you remember Jason the last time you were on telling you, you know, he's, sure. a, he's a salesman for WRNS, and he drives all over the state of North Carolina, and he would listen to you every day. I was the same way even when I wasn't in Raleigh. I would put it online and listen to you. There's a great void there. When are, I guess, you know, before we even talk about any Tell ACC, us. before <laughs> anything else, David Glenn – when in the hell are you coming back on the air, my friend? <laughs> I'm not sure the answer to that, Brian. Uh, I do love radio. I'm a guest somewhere in the podcast, radio, TV world almost every day. Uh, but it's much different, as you know, than preparing for your own show five days a week, three hours a day, as I did for a couple of decades. Uh, there are days that I miss it. I appreciate all the feedback I get. What you guys just described is the number one thing that I hear. When I run into folks, um, it's just flattering and heartwarming to hear how much people enjoyed our show over 20 plus years. Uh, it wasn't statewide for that long. That was more like 12 years, but a whole lot of North Carolinians who have sports as a part of their lives were basically a part of my life. And you guys know, as radio people, I could write a thousand articles and have some connections with other sports fans and human beings and they do appreciate my articles which I still write to this day however there's something different about a radio connection there's something different about people hearing your voice whether it's five days a week or only five minutes at a time there's a connection there it's a true deep human connection and it's not that I have dinner with thousands and thousands of uh, North Carolinian sports fans but there are many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, that just held us in a special place in their hearts for a long time. Uh, the, the, the industry has changed enough that, and I, I hate to disappoint you guys, but there's a pretty good chance I will not do it full time again. Uh. But I absolutely love these visits. I, I have had an absolute blast these two, last two years becoming a university professor, uh, working in some other industries, <laughs> playing golf in 10 different states, <laughs> which has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's just a different lifestyle. And I still work hard, but I have much more freedom. Well, and it's hard to hard to give that up. Well, let me tell you this. I'm going to speak for the gentleman sitting across from me. Like I said, if you don't know you don't have David Glenn fanboys in Lenore County, <laughs> you do now. Yeah. I hope you do. And Brian Hanks and – uh, and then uh, Jason Bryant. But let me tell you this. If you do come back on, I know an affiliate here in Kinston that would love to, to, love to uh, do your show. Am I right, Jason? Dude, I can pin that deal on a napkin <laughs> if you want to come have lunch. <laughs> and he's well, also, I'll, I'll, I'll visit you guys. That's not a problem. Putting together another statewide network or a, bra, a regional network, it's, it's a little complicated for reasons that I don't want to get into today. But um, – Gosh, I'd love to. I'm happy to visit y'all and heck, jump in studio at some point. We we could have a lot of fun. I I've had a blast with that extra freedom I've been talking about. Just these last two years, I mean, truly meeting and uh, some folks I had known as I've known y'all, but just not having the time to travel the state and, and get to just sit down and have meals and visit in studio. Uh, just more quality time. I love our phone calls, but. There's a next level that I, I, I was so busy for seriously 30-plus years yeah. that I just rarely got to sort of have those exhale moments where you just have a, a higher level of quality with 
with kindred spirits. Um, so I'll take you up on that offer. And now that I have a little more freedom, you know, you it, it, it would be you guys squeezing me in rather than the other way around. Well, look, man, I've got uh, I we'll touch base off the air. Me and Brian will talk, and I and, and I'll shoot you a text and tell you about Deal. it. But I've got uh two things that just come to mind that I'd love to have you at. Um, the my big station WRNS here partners with St. Jude, and we're doing a, a our third annual golf tournament in March, and it might be a little bit too soon for you, but. Anytime you want to play in that, I got you a spot for you and a partner. It's a two-man golf tournament. Great. And then um, the barbecue festival on the noose, the, always the first weekend of May is a huge weekend in Kinston. And WRNS puts on, brings the Nashville artists in for the kickoff concert on Friday night. And it'd be perfect if you come in and be on the show with Brian. But we'll we'll talk about it off air. But there's definitely some stuff okay. to do, and we'd love to have you here in Kinston. Hey, he's a crazy nice. he's a crazy golfer sitting across from me too. Okay, David. So he will and get by the you way, on good I'm, golf courses around here. I, and I'm not a good golfer, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am a happy golfer. I, I don't fret over bad shots. I have improved to about bogey golf with my extra good. free time these last two years. Uh, from kind of high 90s to low 90s, but uh, you guys know how that gets. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it starts getting harder to shave strokes off of your – once you've kind of cut the fat out, those maybe those kind of fluff strokes that you should have been able to get rid of, uh, it, it's hard to keep chipping away at that. So, um, But I still love the game, and I'd love to take you all up on that offer for sure. Right. David, what you need to do, and, and then we'll switch gears because we've got a lot I want to ask you um, – but you need to pretend that bogeys are pars. So, <laughs> so when you're playing and you come in under bogey golf, you say, yeah, I was two under today. When nobody knows that you weren't two under par, you were just two under your goal of bogey golf. So treat every hole like bogey's par, and, and you'll make yourself a better golfer that way. You know, it's funny. My You guys might remember the name Hayes Permar. Yep. Oh, so yeah. My, he, he was my producer for roughly five or six years. Long story short is, he has something in golf he calls per par. And basically, per par is a five on every hole. There you go. So whether it's a par five, a par three, a par four, it doesn't matter. Par, par, per par is a five, <laughs> which means per par for the round, of course, is, becomes a 90. So it's the same concept that you just described where basically – Heck, man! If you par, if you have, if you par a traditional par three, that's actually an eagle, according to per par. <laughs> that's right, right. And if you shoot a ninety, you shot per par. So it's it's all about feeling good, and, and you know, rather than fretting over the many bad shots, just it's one more reason to feel good about the great game of golf. So uh, I like your mindset, and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, there you go. Joining us this morning here on our, in hour two of the Brian Hanks show, the great David Glenn. And, uh, man, we're going to just jump right into it. I've got, oh, I've only got a, Hey, I've got 17 questions here. Let's see how many I can get. To <laughs> here, but, uh, I can, let's, let's just start, uh, from last night, uh, a tough loss for, uh, Carolina last night, taking on Pitt, a 65, 64, uh, win for Pitt last night at the Dean dome. 
And uh, I guess we'll just start with that, David. Just the expectations that Carolina had this year. I mean, coming in yep. as a number one team, uh, pretty much not unanimous, but pretty doggone close to unanimous, especially after the run that they made last year to the national championship game. Just, you know what? The president's going to be giving the State of the Union here in a little bit. I would love mm. your State of the Union of uh, Carolina basketball. Tons of fans here, obviously, in Kenton, Lenora County. Your thoughts on uh, not just last night's game, but where Carolina basketball is right now, David? Yeah, I think the bottom line, you could almost split it into two things. Number one, preseason number one teams almost never encounter the level of difficulty that these Tar Heels are dealing with right now. And I've done that research all the way back to the early 1980s when they started you know, seeding the field and when they later in the 80s expanded to a 64, now 68-team tournament. And seriously, there is only one example in the last 40 years of a preseason number one team that in February, it wasn't even clear they were going to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, I know the, the current Tar Heels probably would be something like an eight seed. But the bottom line is there's only one other example. It was Kentucky back in 2014 where you, you see the same team with those uber high expectations of a preseason number one. And then you're in February and you're like, are these guys even going to make the NCAA tournament? Now that Kentucky team, after struggling all year and barely making, well, not barely, but an eight seed means you were comfortably in, but that's obviously not a powerful seed. Uh, you were only considered one of the you know 32 best teams, so to speak. Uh, that team did rally and made the national championship game with a very late run. So they found themselves very late in the season kind of like last year's Tar Heels. Remember, they were on the bubble very late and found themselves and then made the magical run to the national championship game as well. So that part of this story at Carolina unfolding is very unusual. Uh, In terms of sort of the nitty-gritty and just how they're playing, last night was unusual in that R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott, who to me are by far their two best players. Baycott is the favorite for ACC Player of the Year, in my opinion. And to me, R.J. Davis is so much more consistent than a guy like Caleb Love, who's just a human roller coaster. Uh, They'll both be in the top ten of the all-ACC team, in my opinion, Baycott and and, uh, Davis. Neither was very good last night. And and that is unusual for the Tar Heels. It's usually Pete Nance is inconsistent or Leaky Black is inconsistent or Caleb Love is inconsistent or Hubert Davis can't rely on his bench very much. That's usually what's weighing down the Tar Heels. So credit to Pitt for limiting Baycott, for limiting R.J. Davis, and for really, you know, kind of owning the Tar Heels in recent years under Jeff Capel. Um, It doesn't mean the Tar Heels are dead. They still have, you know, as high a ceiling, arguably, in my opinion, as anybody in the ACC. Who's going to put it together over this last month of the regular season? UVA plays the most consistent level of basketball at both ends of the court. And, of course, the Cavaliers are in the national top ten. After UVA, you could make an argument for Duke. You could make an argument for Carolina. You could make an argument for State right now. You could make an argument for Miami. You could even make an argument for Pitt. Uh, it's, it's a logjam after the Cavaliers. Uh, Cle- you know, Clemson seems to be fading just a little bit. But uh, that next Six. To me, on one night, it could be Pitt. On a different night, it could be Carolina. Uh, and, and last night, to me, was just evidence of 
uh, how that game could have gone either way. Uh, and again, credit the Panthers because they are, along with Clemson, one of the pleasant surprises of the ACC this year. Absolutely. Again, that voice you're listening to is David Glenn. And I want to one more question here about Carolina, and it was just the reaction from uh, Jason Capel last night, assistant yeah. basketball coach for Pitt. And then I got to watch. I was actually going to play it, but I'd just rather get your thoughts on yeah. uh, that whole situation. And I actually covered the ACC at that time for the Gaston Gazette. And uh, you remember Chris Lang that was part of that, sure. uh, you know, Chris Lang and Jason Capel. So I covered that during the 8-20 and 20 season and the, the bad times. But if what I'm seeing is true, if they got upset about – just a, to me, David, just a very innocuous post that Carolina basketball did on Twitter about, hey, they showed number 25, you know. Right. I don't know. I just, I'd just i love to get your impression. Of that. Do you think maybe there was just a little overreaction, maybe too much emotion last night from uh, Jeff and Jason Capel? I'll put it this way. Uh, Jeff Capel is somebody that I respect <laughs> as much as anybody that I have encountered in college basketball in my 35 years covering it. Uh, he, he is just an absolute first-class guy. Now, that said, I think he did overreact last night. If what he's talking about is truly the fact that the Tar Heels <laughs> put a walk-on in his 25 jersey, which is his actual jersey, Creighton Lebo, uh, and that happens to be Jason Cable's old number, I mean, if, if that is perceived as some sort of, you know, diabolical stake through the heart and, and it's insult. <laughs> I, I, I love Jeff Capel. I truly do. Um, but that's an overreaction. Now, Jason Capel is an incredibly volatile individual. Um, and, and Jason, back as a player, had a difficult relationship with his own fan base. I, co- I was the guy, I remember, that wrote the articles that Matt, that led to Matt Doherty being fired. I do remember that, yes. Um, that, that was a crazy time in my career, and I think the only person who blocks me on Twitter to this day is, is Matt Doherty. <laughs> I'm still mad at you for uh, that as a Duke I fan, get, I guess. I mean, who, who knows? <laughs> I'm all, all, I did, all I did was write the truth that most in the media did not understand or see at the time. And next thing you know, my articles in the ACC Sports Journal are being passed around the UNC Board of Trustees. And I'm not joking when I say that. That 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 was one of not obviously I didn't get Matt Doherty fired, but my painting of well. an accurate portrait uh, <laughs> it, it, it it was one of the dominoes that yeah. led to Matt Doherty being fired is a fair way to put it. Jason is an emotional guy. I, I think the Capel family has some fair points about, you know, Jason was there supporting Jeff in the NCAA tournament as a fan, you know, 15 or so, 10 or 15 years ago. And Carolina fans are verbally abusing Jason Cable because he's wearing an Oklahoma shirt to, to support his brother. I, I, fan is short for fanatic. Yeah. And fanatics do stupid, disrespectful, outrageous, disgusting things all the time. And so I, I do believe Jason Cable has some legitimate gripes about how he has been disrespected by the Carolina fan base. I just don't think that a single tweet uh, with a number 25 jersey is some kind of personal affront. Uh, It was just a bad example. The the general point is well made by the Capel family. The specific example about a jersey 25 tweet I thought was kind of ridiculous. David, as a, as a Duke fan, the reason I'm mad at you about that article is I would have loved to have seen Matt Doherty stay in China. <laughs> 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 I, 
forever. You know, it's funny. When I flash back to those times, there's only a couple times in my career where I had to say to my wife, um, things are going to get a little weird. Um, <laughs> like, like me- meaning like, people like calling you with, I'm not even kidding, calling you with death threats. Right. Lord. So in so that crazy. case, it was Carolina fans mad at me because they thought I was, I don't know, making stuff up or exaggerating something. And, and it was funny because what, what we have often called the ABC crowd, the anybody but Carolina group who hate the Tar Heels, um, they were like, DG, that stuff's probably true, but stop writing about it. You know, <laughs> we, we don't want Matt Doherty to get fired. We want the Tar Heels to keep losing. Um, so it was one of those rare times in my career, and I've generally been treated you know, wonderfully by my readers and my listeners and fans, if you want to call them that. Um, there are a handful of times where it just felt like everybody was mad at me. You know, Carolina was yeah. mad at me for writing the articles. Carolina fans were mad at me because they didn't want to believe it. ABC fans were mad at me. It was I just like, hun, don't answer the phone, you know, and, and be careful when you answer the front door. It's just yeah. a really, really weird time. Um, and yeah, a, a little chapter, mini chapter of my career that I'll never forget. Well, switching gears just a little bit because it made headlines, well, at least on, on, on some of my social. Brian, I don't even know if you saw it, but did y'all see Mac Brown about – fussing about the football schedule and how yeah I, I didn't i haven't seen that no david what do you think about that i mean mac brown is very well respected and although yes i have to agree with him that's a brutal schedule but i mean you got a decent football team that you're building that's on the cusp of something like why would you i just don't understand that touch on that just for a second yeah it's it's hard i mean Listen, scheduling is tricky because, remember, the ACC is in the process of abandoning divisions in football. That changes your whole computer formula, right? Right. Then you have to decide, all right, how many, they call them, permanent partners. So a lot of fans will say, well, we don't want the rivalries to go away. Well, then you have to decide as a conference, how many permanent partners will there be? Meaning, you know, State and Carolina want to play each other every single year. Well, do you also do that with Duke and Carolina? Do you also do that with Wake and Carolina? The more permanent partners you have, the, the less variety you have in terms of how often you see the other members of your conference in a certain sport. And it gets to a point where sometimes, you know, uh, a young man could be at your program for four years and never play a certain conference opponent in your stadium just because of the infrequency of seeing certain schools, uh, even though they're in your own league. And, and what I'm building up to is once you put all these parameters into the computer, you know, and, and the computer spit out schedules, remember, over a multi-year period, at least the conference, the teams that you'll play. Once you have all those parameters, now you've got to work around non-conference scheduling, which every school does on its own. And I, I've been through enough of these little – it's almost like going through a mock NCAA tournament selection committee. When you go through that, you have a better appreciation for the challenge of the people in, the, in that job. It doesn't mean you'll always agree with them. It just it means you, 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 you appreciate the process more, and you're a little less critical once you've been through a selection Sunday committee on your own. Same with scheduling. It, it, there are so many variables that – there's never going to be a year where all 14 ACC football coaches are happy with the schedule that they're given. They, they want it. They want their open date right before a hard opponent. They want their most difficult opponents, you know, 
one early, one midseason, one late, never back-to-back. So when Mac Brown saw not only two of his tougher opponents, Clemson and NC State, but both of them on the road, which he knew that that part was uh, already in the computer formula, um, but then back-to-back at the end of the season when often you're kind of beat up, um, that's, that's a brutally difficult double road trip. There's no doubt about it. I don't think there's an ACC team. If Mac Brown said that is the worst back-to-back double road trip that any ACC football team has to face this season, I would say you're right. There are other candidates. I mean, Miami has to go to state and Florida state, which is going to be really good next year. Um, back-to-back. Um, Syracuse has to go to UNC and Florida state back-to-back. Uh, Virginia has to go to Carolina and Miami back-to-back. So Mac Brown's not the only one that has a difficult back-to-back. Clemson has to go to Miami and NC State back-to-back, both on the road. Um, it just gets to the point where, you know, is he right that that is an unfortunate part of his schedule? Yes. Is it fair to say that that increases the degree of difficulty of the Tar Heels football schedule? Yes. But was there any kind of conspiracy? <laughs> was there any, like, out to get the Tar Heels? Uh, or, or was he treated in an unfair manner compared to everybody else? I just don't think that's the case. Um, it's just one of those things that happens when, when the computer, and, and there is a human element, but when, when they get together and they spit out the schedule every year, you're never, as, as with us in the media, you're never going to keep all the people happy all the time. Absolutely. And that voice you're listening to here on the show this morning, the great David Glenn joining us as we're just, we're going to, we're talking about everything ACC here and I'm going to jump back to basketball and I want, again, maybe it's uh, the era of, of, uh, recency or whatever, David, but NC state looked pretty damn good last night. And if you had told me, or let me, let me ask you, David, if I had told you before the season started that on February the 2nd, that you know, if the if the uh, ACC tournament started today, that Carolina wouldn't be a double buy guy, a double buy team. That mm. that Duke wouldn't be a double buy team, but mm. NC State would be a double buy team. <laughs> you'd have had you would have had me drug tested, wouldn't you? Perhaps, yes. <laughs> I mean, I I've been high on the in-state teams this year. I actually thought in the preseason, and I, it's still a possibility. Uh, there are not many years where. Duke and Carolina and State and Wake all make the NCAA tournament. It just doesn't happen very often. Obviously, Duke and Carolina are in it almost every year, but rarely do we go four for four in terms of those in-state ACC schools. Um, I really thought there was a chance it would happen this year, even back in my preseason predictions. I give State a lot of credit. They, they, I believe that the Wolfpack, Kevin Keith has been there six years now. And you guys may have seen his success at UNC Wilmington immediately prior to him being hired by the Wolfpack. Basically, and and I'm teaching at UNC Wilmington as we speak, so I have an appreciation for the Seahawks even to a greater degree than in the past. They won at UNCW under Kevin Keats in large part because he had a three-guard lineup that pushed the tempo. And there there is not one of Kevin Keith's first five teams at state where you would say you love three of his guards and they are a push-the-tempo team. That never happened in five years. And remember, he only made one NCAA tournament in those five years. Well, here he is in year six. He not only has Terquavion Smith, who could have turned pro last year. He might have been a first-round NBA draft pick. So Terquavion stays. He's a first-team All-ACC player. Casey Morsell, 
the Virginia transfer, who was not a great player for the pack last year, is one of the more improved players in the conference. And Jarkel Joyner, the Ole Miss transfer, who's in like his fifth or sixth year of college basketball and is a very, very mentally and physically tough guy. Uh, now, Kevin Keith finally has the three-guard lineup that he has been seeking. And guess who's the fastest tempo team in the ACC? <laughs> it's, it's, it's usually the Tar Heels or so, you know somebody else. It's the Wolfpack. Um, so stylistically, Kevin Keats finally has what he wants. When everybody's healthy, they're going to be even better. Remember, uh, Jack Clark starting forward and Dusan Mahorchik starting center have been out for a long time. And, and so when the pack is at full strength, man, they're going to go to the ACC tournament in Greensboro thinking they can win the darn thing. And, of course, that hasn't happened since the 1980s. So it's an exciting time for State. And whereas Duke and Carolina are going through various growing pains, you know, I think State has all sorts of reasons to feel good about itself. It's not going to be easy the rest of the way because there are other good teams in this league. But Kevin Keith needed an NCAA tournament trip after missing for the last uh, four years. And he has really positioned the pack well to get that NCAA bid. And I don't have their schedule right here in front of me, David, but talking about state, do you see them? I mean, can they finish out strong and potentially finish in that double buying area uh, at the end of the regular season? They have a good chance. I mean, you know, they, they have to go to UVA. That's a really tough one. Um, the Wolfpack also has to go to Duke. That's a really tough one. I did see the, the pack absolutely annihilate the Blue Devils earlier this season. But remember, that was in Raleigh. And Duke, with all those freshmen, I mean, they're almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Those freshmen look nervous on the road, and then they get into Cameron Indoor Stadium and all those friendly faces, and they just start playing like gangbusters. So those are two brutally difficult road trips uh, for the pack down the stretch here. Um, they do get to host the Tar Heels. So there's a chance for, you know, some revenge after that loss in Chapel Hill. They get to host Clemson, which is better than expected. So that could be another resume builder. I think the pack has a really good chance uh, of finishing in that top four, given, given the growing pains in so many other places. It's just going to be close, right? It, it, there's, I, I write for Chapelboro.com now, and I just posted yesterday my 1 through 15 power yep, rankings, yep. and I encourage people to check it out. But number one is UVA. After that, you know, the pack could finish second. Miami could finish second. The, the heels could rally. The Blue Devils could rally. Um, Pitt is on a roll. I mean, it's just I think there are seven NCAA tournament teams in this league this year, which is better than last year's five, obviously. But differentiating among two through seven, <clears throat> excuse me, is very difficult right now. Um, <clears throat> but for the reasons I stated, I, I think the pack. Uh, has as many reasons as anybody not named Virginia to feel really good about itself coming down the stretch. That voice again, you're listening to David Glenn. He is our big interview here today on the show. And as always, we'd like to thank UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of our big interview every day here on the Brian Hanks Show with the medical staff of more than 100 physicians. UNC Lenore Healthcare, 
offers a range of specialty services and technology you would only expect to find at hospitals in larger cities. Visit UNC Lenore Healthcare, 100 Airport Road, right here in Kenston for all your healthcare needs or call them at 252-522-7000. You can also email them at info at Lenore.org or visit their comprehensive website at unclenore.org. And thank you so much to Beverly Jenkins, all the folks over at UNC Lenore Healthcare for being the exclusive sponsor of the big interview. Let's jump right back into it. Now, I got to tell you, uh, my boy Jason over here, big, big Duke fan. He's going to ask you a Duke question. I don't know if you remember or not, yeah. Dave, because you talked to a ton of people, but I'm I'm your resident Virginia guy, okay? So I can't wait to ask you my question here in a moment, but Jason, take it away. David, yeah. For I can honestly say for the first time in what I can remember 30 years, I was actually considering not watching the game this weekend. Because, wow. <laughs> because I just – something's different about it. But then – you know, Duke seems to be trending upwards a little bit after I watched the weight game the other night. Yep. And i tell you what I saw. I saw the move of Roach going to the two and Proctor taking over the one. Seems to be paying dividends for Shire. Give me, give me a little ray of hope and sunshine <laughs> that hmm. I should watch the game on Saturday <laughs> instead of kind of dreading it. Well, I think it's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. Um, either team is capable of winning, obviously. Uh, but I, I recommend you do watch. And I think regardless of what happens Saturday, here's the bottom line with your Blue Devils. Hey, and you guys know this, but it's worth reinforcing. When you have a star junior or senior, that guy is typically pretty darn good in November and December. And even if he gets a little bit better over the course of the season, he's mostly the same guy in February and March and even April. When you have key freshmen, they often can look dramatically different in March than they looked in November and December. And the reason I mention that with Duke is, remember, if we listed the five or six highest profile incoming freshmen in the entire ACC, all 15 teams, Duke had probably five of the six highest profile prep All-Americans. Only one of those six was great right away. Kyle Filipowski is going to be a first-team All-ACC player. He's going to be the ACC Freshman of the Year, and he deserves both of those honors. But remember, fans of Duke and Carolina sometimes get spoiled because Think in your case, Jason, of the Blue Devils of 2015. Jalil Okafor did not need much of a transition from high school to college. He, he showed up ready to be dominant, right? Uh, maybe Justice Winslow that year took a little longer. Tyus Jones maybe took a little longer. But, man, you know, by January and February, those guys were dominant players. And then sure enough, with three freshmen as key players, the Blue Devils win it all under Coach K in 2015. Um, if, I know Derek Whitehead is hurt right now, but if Whitehead gets better, you mentioned Proctor. He's already gotten better. Mark Mitchell has gotten a little bit better. Derek Lively has gotten a little bit better. Those guys were all prep All-Americans too. So if they can just ramp up their games, whether this Saturday or the rest of the way, and you do have that Jeremy Roach, you know, junior veteran presence, he's a pretty good player the way Quinn Cook was with those freshmen back in 2015. That's the ideal blend for John Shire and the Blue Devils. Whether they get it Saturday is a guessing game. And you may, you may need to hide your eyes sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. But do I think that they'll have it by March? I really do. Uh, John Shire is a good young coach. 
I don't think this is a vintage Duke team. I, you know, Kyle Filipowski is their best player, and on many nights, Jeremy Roach is their second best player. Um, it's it's hard to do Duke-like things if Jeremy Roach, all due respect to him, he's a nice college basketball player, but this Duke team just lacks the mature star power that it usually has. And to win big things like an ACC title or go to a Final Four, you, you typically need – you just need these freshmen to grow up quickly. If they do, all good things are possible. If they kind of stay where they are right now, I think Duke is just another good team. Uh, but not a great team compared to so many Duke teams of the past. I know it's a small sample size, David, but what would you give uh, Shire right now, John Shire, the head basketball coach at Duke, a letter grade? And again, knowing that we're just barely into February of his first season, but yeah. to follow a legend the way he has in Coach K, I, I kind of I always felt sorry for uh, goal, or, uh, oh, Guthridge. I always felt bad for Guthridge having to follow yeah. Dean, and I feel bad for Shire having to follow Coach K. But in your opinion, right now, what kind of letter grade would you give him uh, four months into uh, his head coaching career? Well, if you count recruiting, I'll give him a B plus or an A minus. Okay. If you if you don't count recruiting, then maybe it's more of a B because Duke is not used to being projected as you know a seven seed or whatever they might be considered right now. It's early February, and Duke is typically positioned for a much higher seed. Um, they're they're going to be an NCAA tournament team, but it may it may be with a much less seed, lesser seed than they're used to dealing with. But th- that big picture, I mean, John Shire dealing with the media, he gets an A. John Shire poised on the sidelines, dealing with referees, being mature in heated moments, he gets an A. Uh, John Shire on the recruiting trail, for those who don't follow that, I mean, the Blue Devils have the next generation of players already lined up, high school seniors who are committed, et cetera. He would get an A there. Um, So the only reason I say B is because this team has not grown quickly. Now, is that because these freshmen just were not as college ready, besides Filipowski, as as many of Duke's past freshmen have been? It's hard to know that. Um, You know, they're they're 18-year-old guys. And some are ready, like I mentioned with those 2015 guys. Some take a while longer. It's not that they're not talented. The NBA scouts are still watching Derek Whitehead and Mark Mitchell and Derek Lively of those guys. They're just not yet great college players. They're still NBA prospects. Um, and it's part of John Shire's job to have them player playing more confident basketball, better chemistry basketball uh, in February than they were playing in, in November and December. And if they do that, well, then John Shire's grade will go up. And if they kind of stay where they are, well, then John Shire will end up with a B for his rookie season with the Blue Devils. But he is wired in a really impressive way. He's a high IQ guy. He's a great character guy. It is hard to be that age and follow the winningest coach in college basketball history. Uh, So he's handling all of those intangibles incredibly well. I know fans will debate various other things, and that's fair. He, he knew that was coming. But I, I'm just impressed by him as a human being, and we'll see how the rest of that shakes out as a head coach. Speaking of that retired Duke head, uh, head basketball coach, i got to ask you, excuse me, <clears throat> nobody knows Mike Krzyzewski better than you, probably outside of Cameron Indoor Stadium in Durham. 
So what do you think he's doing? I mean, and I, that's something hmm. I've wondered myself, David, is uh, I wonder what he's doing. I mean, he, you know, he yeah. hasn't been going to games. Is he is he in Cameron, though? Is he up in his office at Cameron? Is he at home? Is he on a cruise ship somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, David? Well, what is Coach K doing right now? Well, it's funny. He's not a golfer. So I, I mentioned what I've done after my career transition. <laughs> that's definitely not on his agenda. Uh, he is a grandfather and a really proud grandfather. They call him Poppy, and he loves playing the role of Poppy, right? There's no cameras. There's no microphones. There's no scrutiny. There's just love from all these grandchildren. So I know he is enjoying that role. Um, he does love spending time with his wife, Mickey. They do travel some. Um, but it, it is very intentional that Mike Krzyzewski has stayed out of the TV spotlight. He does not want ESPN cameras panning to him, you know, in a heated moment yeah, yeah. of a Duke basketball game. That That is very purposeful on his part. And, of course, John Shire knows, you know, just like Batman is on call for the mayor of Gotham and just pick up the phone and he's magically on the other end, Mike Krzyzewski is that for John Shire. But, but it's not going to be Coach K walking by Shire's office peeking his head in saying you need anything it's going to be it's, it's going to be Shire who of course played for Coach K and, and was an assistant under Coach K uh, Shire knowing deep in his soul that Coach K is of course eminently uh, there for him and they're soul brothers they have a father-son type relationship so um, I think he's enjoying life I think he's exhaling a little bit uh, I, I think he cares about the future of the NCAA the future of uh, American Olympic basketball, the future of the National Association of, ba- Association of Basketball Coaches. You know, there's a guy who's asked to be you know, the, the Emily Shashevsky Center, named in honor of his late mother right there in Durham, which does amazing things for the community. He, he has been able to, and I can identify with this, when you're in a grind for literally decades, him many more decades than I, um, and, and you just peek your head out. You know, like like the groundhog on Groundhog Day just popping his head up and saying, man, this is a whole new world. I don't have a press conference today. I don't have practice today. I don't have to figure out how to beat Carolina on Saturday. It's it's just amazing what it can do for you as a husband, as uh, a grandfather. Um, he doesn't play tennis anymore because of all those artificial what, hips in his case. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he's, he's enjoying life while, of course, still stressing over the Blue Devils because, you know, those hallways, Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, and leading to Coach K's office upstairs, they get pretty intense leading into any ACC game. They get extra intense leading into that matchup, uh, that home matchup annually against the Tar Heels. David, I saw, I read an article, I think it was yesterday, where he actually watches the games from his office and and you can pay – to do that, watch it with him, and that money goes <laughs> to the um, Emily uh, really? uh Foundation. Yeah, but anyway, I want to ask you uh, just something fun, switching gears, and then I'm gonna let Brian finish you off. Uh, what was the, what was the uh, hotline number to the David Glenn show? One eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. That is so funny that you asked me that. <laughs> I'm, and J- I'm, Jason, I'm quirky, Jason, dude. I'll Sorry. tell you, I'll tell you, man, it's. It's uh, when you do something that often, so yeah. many years in a row. I, b- I believe I can't. 
I'd have to I'd have to call my producers to be sure of this, but I think when we went statewide, that call-in number changed. So in other words, I was announcing a certain number for the first 10 or so years of my radio career, and then a, that different number that I clearly remembered without any pause uh, for the last uh, 12 years or so of my statewide show. And you know how it is, guys, man. Gosh, if you say it, you could wake up screaming in the middle of the night saying one eight hundred eight four nine two seven six one. It's just it's the it's embedded in you. It's just almost written on your soul. Uh, yeah, that's funny. It's just one of the things that pops up from time to time. Uh, somebody will. It, it's amazing the number of things that will remind me of, of mostly the joy and the fun factor of hosting that show for more than two decades. Uh, and that's one of them. That's just a sign that it's it's always going to be a part of you, right? And it's. Uh, Heck, a big part. I've, I've been in this business for 35 years, and that was uh, the radio element was central to it for 20 plus years. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 part of who I am, and I'm certainly glad I did it, and I cherish those memories. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll remember that number to my dying <laughs> That's breath. Funny. That's very funny. I love I love asking people who do something on like repetitious things over and over again like years later I, I i love just picking on like hey man what was that phone number again and they just <laughs> rattle it off and well, well think about it you said it how many times david probably eight to ten times an hour maybe i mean that's probably conservative seven eight yeah. nine times an hour for 20 years i mean you're right it is can well, don't tell us her number. Could you tell us your wife's phone number real quick? <laughs> that one i could i okay, could okay. Uh, it's funny in a cell phone world you know yeah. you don't think I guess because I've known Maria for so long and I, you know, I kind of knew her number prior to the smartphone era Yeah. back when you actually had to remember people's numbers. I think that's probably why it sticks in my head because in all seriousness, you know, I have a 23 year old son and a 20 year old daughter and I talk to them and text them all the time. I'm pretty sure I don't know their numbers <laughs> with, you know, it's just push button, right? Yeah. Because back yeah. when they were back when they were eight years old, you know, I, I was, they didn't have phones, so I didn't have to, learn their numbers back in the day. Uh, but I'll tell you a real quick story that shows how my life has changed these past two years. If you guys were standing on my front porch, I'm, I'm on kind of a cul-de-sac and there's a, there's a street that branches off into two cul-de-sacs. And my wife made fun of me for my tunnel vision during my, you know, I was a publisher for a long time with the HTC sports journal and she would see me go into magazine mode or website mode or radio show mode. And she'd make fun of my tunnel vision. The long story short is, so I live on a certain street, which of course I know the, the name of, <laughs> but I, I have I have driven past this other cul-de-sac, which if you're on my front porch, it's only probably 20 to 30 yards away. And you have to drive past this street pole that has the name of my street pointing one direction, the name of this other cul-de-sac pointing the other direction. So I've literally passed this <laughs> sign thousands of times, thousands of times maybe even tens of thousands of times because I've been in the same house for 24 years. And she asked me, do you know the name of that street? Wow. I, I walk, I walk my dog past it every day. <laughs> I drive past it multiple times, both directions every day. And, and, and two years ago when the radio show ended, I did not know the name of that street. Isn't that insane? It but is, but I'm, it makes sense though. Right. Cause as, as I'm pulling out of the driveway, I'm thinking, all right, man, 
you know, I got Coach K today. Or, man, I had a couple right. of United States presidents on the show. I had supermodels. I had actors and actresses and Mike Tyson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Gary Player. And, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just been in many ways just a walking dream come true. Um, but whether it's my next deadline or my next speaking engagement or, I don't know, things like just remembering your kids' birthdays and your wife's anniversary. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm pulling out of the driveway and my mind is entrenched on something. It might just be enjoying, you know, a Jimmy Buffett song on the radio. But uh, it's not like I was curing cancer these last 35 years. But it, it's, it's a sign of – and you guys in this crazy industry – uh, can probably identify to one degree or another. It's just a sign that uh, whereas tunnel vision can sometimes help you be even better at your job, it can sometimes prevent you from the proverbial smelling of the roses along the way. And I definitely should know the name of the street that is basically 20 <laughs> yards from my front porch. You should. Listen, we are wrapping it up here with you, but I got to tell you, David Glenn, I would be remiss. I would hate myself if I don't. I got. I can't believe we've gone fifty-one minutes, and I've not asked you a Virginia question yet. So, all right, David, <laughs> I'm, I'm out. <laughs> but, but seriously, give me the overview of Virginia right now. You've you've praised them quite a bit earlier in uh, in this hour that we were talking about them. But where do we stand with the University of Virginia right now? And me being, I love Virginia. Uh, Jason can tell you about my man cave. I've got all national championships. I've got my Samson jersey yep. hanging in there. All that. But where do we stand right now with Virginia? Is Virginia – how good are they really? And are they a legitimate Final Four type team? They have a chance. There's no doubt about it. They're the best team in the ACC. And if this, if the tournament started right now, I would pick Virginia to win the ACC title. If the NCAA tournament started right now, I'd have to see the bracket to be sure. But I'd, I'd pick the Cavaliers to go a long way. And, Brian, I think you, you appreciate this by now because you have an appreciation for Tony Bennett. The reality, and it's easy to forget, UVA is the only ACC team that has its starting five back intact from last season. And you know they're not overwhelmingly talented because the same starting five was only good enough to make the NIT one year ago. So, I mean, the, the preseason question was, well, is it good news or bad news that the, that the Cavs have all five starters back? Uh, and I know they're fiddling with the starting lineup a little bit, but Kihei Clark, Reese Beekman, Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, Caden Shedrick, those were the starters for the most part last year. They've been the starters for the most part this year. They're number six in the national rankings. I think they're going to finish in first place in the ACC standings. And the bottom line is they don't lack talent. I mean, Reese Beekman's going to play in the NBA. Um, and those other guys are very good college players. They don't lack talent, but what puts them over the top is – they, like Pitt Carolina last night, it all came down to execution. Can, as Hubert Davis said after the game, can you get that one stop when you really need it? Can you get that one bucket when you really need it? UVA executes its defense better than everybody else every year. And this year and some other years, they execute their offense with that kind of precision. They have confidence in all five guys on the court in most lineups to put the ball in the basket. And they have, of course, some defensive specialists, too. I think they're really good. And because not only that rock-solid starting five, but the other members of their eight-man rotation, basically, um, Isaac McNeely and Ryan Dunn, those guys were not good two or three months ago, the, the two freshmen for the Cavs. They're getting better, and they're helping. And if they can keep getting better, well, then Tony Bennett has full confidence in his top eight players. And I don't know if there's another ACC coach who can say, 
he has full confidence in his top eight players to execute that offense or to execute that big pressure possession um, at either end of the floor. The Cavs do that way better than anybody in the ACC. And whereas I don't know if they have the talent of, you know, Alabama or UConn or Purdue or Houston even um, that beat the Cavaliers head-to-head, um, their, their talent ranks only behind, you know, maybe a dozen teams in America, and they make up for it with that precision, that execution, that team chemistry, um, and a lot of other things under the great coach Tony Bennett. Well, I'll say this. I am looking forward to the next three to four seasons of Kihei Clark, okay? I mean, he's already been <laughs> there, it feels go. like, six years. I'll tell you, let's just make a decade out of it, okay? It's funny. The Cavs have three fifth-year guys, two fourth-year guys, and a three-year starter in junior Reese Beekman. That is a lot of experience, man. I mean, that because of the free COVID year that these guys – College basketball is as old as it's been, maybe ever, because there's so many fourth, fifth, and sixth-year guys. Kids' top five scorers, seriously, range from 21 to 24 years old. Two of of the guys making buckets at the Smith Center have already had their 24th birthday. Good God. I mean, I was was about to graduate from law school at 24 (laughs) years old. Um, But that's the nature of college basketball now. The the free COVID year plus name, image, likeness, you know, getting some of the better players to stay in school and pick up that extra cash rather than feeling pressure to turn pro. It's been fascinating to watch. You might not know it, but there's a lot of 23 and 24 year olds running around out there. And the days of, you know, back, back in the day, you know, the, the old guys were 21. Now the old guys are 24 and 25 and teams like UVA and Pitt um, are taking advantage of that. Absolutely. Listen, David Glenn, I think we did a good job, Jason. What do you think of not fanboying out too much today? Did we do a better I job? Think this we time? Did you guys are pros this time, man. <laughs> You're pros. Listen. Hey, once we start playing golf, excuse me, playing golf together and hopefully grabbing a meal at some point, then you guys will just treat me like just another guest, right? <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever. We'll Listen. just we'll just be buddies. But it's it's an honor to be with you. Y'all, you all are very good at what Thanks, you do, dude. and you're you're very professional with how you handle interviews so i appreciate it all david you're the best can we have you back on before the acc tournament the week of the acc Heck tournament? yeah absolutely yes the, you, you tell me the day and the time and there's a good chance i can make it happen you're the best dude thank you so much david glenn uh, just a legend here in the south and specifically here in north carolina thank you so much for joining jason and i this morning again i can't tell you what it means to both of us it means more than you'll ever know thank you so much okay I appreciate both of y'all and your kind words. So, Brian, Jason, keep up the great work and call me anytime. Okay, we'll see you soon. Very good. That's David Glenn. Uh, Gosh, dude. How can he be that nice? An hour. An hour. He gave us a whole hour, dude. How can he be that nice? I was sitting there going, if Brian plays that birthday game, I'm going to smack him. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, that's what I was getting ready to say for folks who may be listening. Because we do. We have folks who listen to birthday games. Yeah, there is. And we apologize for that. Well, no. We were going to have David Glenn the whole second hour. It was because of the breaking news about the Down East Wood Ducks that – because I was going to play it right after Shane in the first hour. So I do apologize. You can listen to today's birthday game by going to our SoundCloud feed. Uh, Go to brianhanks.com. Click on that, and you'll be able to listen to the full birthday game. And it'll just be the birthday game there that you can hear there. But uh, no, no, no. Oh, no. hey, look at me, Jason Bray. And I love John yeah. and Jonathan, and you know yeah. I do. There's no way. David Glenn is giving us his knowledge. You think I'm going to interrupt That's right. him? And he, he, he just, I mean, he's his MO when he was on the radio, I don't know if you remember, 
the promos used to run. David Glenn, he knows more about the ACC than anybody. He does. God knows. Challenging. <laughs> and see where see where you end up. It's not going to be. Well, a- I had several questions, and one of them was, I tell you what, we love David Glenn. We've literally got a minute and a half. Yeah. Tom Brady retiring. Give me 30 seconds on that. A year later than it should have been. Really? You think he should definitely yeah. have followed Yeah, I mean, I think so. I I think so. I mean, I don't think he's hurt his legacy. He's, his legacy, but, I mean, he had to deal with Fox already. Poor Greg Olson's going to get shafted. Oh, my God. He's you been like so him, good. Right? Yes. Yeah. I think he's been great. To, yeah. But, um, yeah, a year too long. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Down East Duck situation, if you missed it, and if you if you just joined us here in the second hour and you've been listening to the awesome and the great uh, David Glenn, we address directly. We Jason yep. and I talked to uh, John Clemens right here on the air. He lets you know, and let, I want to spoil it a little bit here, I guess. No Wood news. aren't going anywhere. No it's news. no news. They're building something down in Wilmington, and it's totally going, different. Yeah, has nothing to do with the Down East Wood Ducks. The Wood Ducks are going to be here, right? Yep. And hopefully forever, but we know how 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 things go. But yes, this is no correlation with anything. Tomorrow night, Wallace Rose Hill at Kenston High. Girls Senior night. Only varsity sports tomorrow night. Girls yep. play at six. Boys afterwards. Barry Stallings and Harlan Neal will have it. I'll be on out right here too. on nine sixty. Right here board. on nine sixty. Yep. Board. That's our game of the week. That is awesome. Uh, again, listen, what a show! Shane Albee, John Clemens in the first hour. My good friend Jason Bryant and I just listed you above David Glenn. Uh, David <laughs> Glenn and Jason Bryant here in the second hour. Hey, tomorrow's show we'll have uh, Mark Panicelli on in the first hour, and then from Lenore Community College we'll have Jessica Cruz and Jordan Amburn. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to today's show. We'll see you tomorrow on The Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College.